Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. What gives me confidence about investment decisions? Rigorous fundamental research with portfolio managers focused on the long term who look beyond the spreadsheets to understand the companies they invest in from break room to boardroom, who know the only way to get a 360 degree view is to go around the world to get it. Can I rely on in-depth research to give me steadfast confidence? With Capital Group, I can. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and today I'm joined by Gavin Glosier. G'day, mate. Good to see and hear you again. It's been a while. Actually, it's been a while since we've caught up in person, but it's also been a while since you've been on the XY Podcast. Yeah, it's been, um, I'd say it'd be about three years, three and a half years since I was last with Clayton. So, uh, yeah, great to be back. Thank you. Fantastic. And obviously, things a few things have changed in, uh, over that time, so we'll, we'll go and get through too. But for those that haven't heard you speak before, tell us about your journey into financial services. Yeah, good, uh, good question. Um, my background is uh, about 20 years in, in the financial advice world. Um, I started my time in the institutional world. I, I started with Royal Sun Alliance in 2001 and uh, worked with them through the Astron uh, transition in, in 2004, I think it was, and then moved across to Macquarie Life when that business first started. Um, spent three years with that group, then went across to AMP. Uh, it, was a, it was a heavy insurance space up till then and then crossing AMP, I went across to be the state manager of the IFA sales um, and then we had the AXA merger, uh, we inherited more staff and more team and, and, and more products that we were working with um, and then went across to work with a, 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 a large IFA business um, which, was, which was Mark Bynum's business um, and up till about two and a half years ago, we worked together. So I was with him for about four and a half years, I think it was, um, and saw an opportunity to 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 grow and do things a bit different, which which is a lot of what we'll cover off today. But I think what underpinned everything that I saw in my time in the institutional world up till 2014, when I left, was um, working with advice practices, creating um, efficiencies and businesses that would strive to the next level. It was always a, a passion and a focus. And in the last two and a half years, this, this vision and plan that I had and, um, has really come to fruition. And, and, and now we've got a, a really good core of businesses that, that work together in the, in the community. And it's, it's been quite exciting. Um, we did work in some ways with the AFA uh, through the Leaders Forum. Um, we did a lot of work with, um, with them over the years, building up this peer-to-peer um, community, which which I chaired for for since inception up to a couple of years ago, which was which was a great experience and got to work with some really brilliant businesses across Australia. Um, and then, yeah, in the last two and a half years, I've kind of taken that concept and that idea and and really taken it out um, to uh, the right businesses that I felt could get the most value out of it. And um, yeah, here we are today. Fantastic. Yeah, it's been a heck of a journey, isn't it? And I guess all the way along, you were working with advice practices, just just trying to work out 
how to do things better and what, what are great little, you know, things you can do to tweak or what, you know, whether it's a whole structural rechange or whatever it might be. So, yeah, mm-hmm. interesting um, journey. And then, of course, you spend some time uh, in an advice practice actually working, becoming an advisor and, and, and working on even uh, even a licensee. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, advising now as well. So I've been in AR for the last three years, which is which is a different learning experience all on its own. I think from working with practices on their business and then working in a business, um, become, being an AR, working with advisors, sorry, working with clients and understanding um, their needs and you know, their pain points, but also you know, really what they're what they want to get out of life. It's it's quite a special journey, I think, when you get to work intimately with people's finances and and see the um, you know the relief when they achieve a goal or, or relief when they avoid something that could have been avoided. It's a really good thing. It's it's a very simplistic way of saying it, but it really is. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, when you've seen a lot of practices and you know worked out. Well, it's, I guess it's really easy to see a practice from the outside. You go, I would never do that. Oh, that's something I'd always avoid. <laughs> uh, it's probably a little bit harder to find the the good parts and actually say that's great. I want to start using that and, and, and knuckling that down. What what was it like for you when you first became an advisor? Was it what you thought? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really good question. The I think one of the things that on the institutional side, we, we, we tended to get blinded with is we see all these really good things. Um, and one of, one of the um, kind of lead, I suppose, you know, kind of tools I would use is I would, I would share with advisors, this is, this is what other good practices do. You know, I would never name them or, or talk specifically about what they do. But, you know, we would talk about concepts and ideas of, of tried and tested ideas that would work really well and, and try to implement them in practices. Um, but actually going in, rolling up your sleeves and working on those ideas with your own businesses and working with clients is very, very different. And I think one of the biggest learning experiences I had was um, learning to say no. And I think it was so easy to say, yes, yes, we should we should really be doing this. I should be doing this and you know, I'll get onto that next week and all the rest. And before you know it, you're saying yes to everything and you're the only person who's there to actually deliver and implement it. And I think for me, that was a real that was a real learning experience because I think you know as much as you'd love to be everything to everyone, at the end of the day, there's only so many hours in a day that you can really be rolling your sleeves up, working in the trenches, working on your business in your business, and you know, trying to be with clients and, and and be their you know trusted advisor. There's only so much you can do, and I I think you 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 can be guilty very early on of just trying too hard to be everything to anyone and achieving very little in the same time. Yes, it's certainly one of those saying no things. That's sort of something that I probably should be working on myself. But uh, <laughs> but it's like it's really interesting. I think what you what I got out of what you just said then was it's really about the implementation of stuff, right? Not you know, yeah. it's, it's all right to say yes, but so long as you're saying yes and getting that actually in place. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if I look back to all the PD days um, that I've worked with uh, and seen brilliant speakers and and seen so many great ideas and concepts, you know, like everyone does, you, know, you write down all these great ideas. The missing link I always felt was when you got back to your office and seeing practices get back to their, um, you know, BAU, business as usual, um, and not implement these really simple things because they've just got so much other stuff and things in their way. It was it was always such a waste. And in what we're doing now, a lot of, a lot of kind of what I've seen as being um, important and of benefit to the businesses I work with is being that linchpin 
able to help them implement, hold people accountable and getting them focused on um, you know, what is really important to them and, and filter through some of these amazing ideas they may get. And, you know, we're not going to as many conferences and definitely face-to-face activity, but there's still ideas and concepts out there. It's about drawing out the right ones, seeing what the cream looks like, what's the high gain, what are the big wins, and, and then from there, helping um, helping those practices implement because, you know, I, I know kind of, you know, when I started the advice practice from scratch, um, you know, there was only a couple of clients that I had, um, had that had come on with me to start with you know, all the time in the world. But very quickly by saying yes to everything, I had only a couple of clients, but not a lot of time in the world and uh, was sinking very quickly. So, you know, prioritizing and, and um, being very clear on what my vision was and sticking to it and making sure I didn't stray too far was, was a really important thing I learned. Fantastic. And I want to get the story out of you a little bit later around the old, how did you start this advice practice from scratch? Because it's a difficult thing to do and it takes a lot of time and effort. And, and as you said, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, you know, saying yes, but also working out a few things to say no to. Uh, at yeah. the same time, you're trying to, uh, you know, raise a family, et cetera. So let's, before we do that, let's just go up a level. Your you're, you know, when, when we when we spoke to you last time, you were the last on the uh, the XY Advisor podcast. You were running a business. It was all around sort of, um, you know, uh, employee benefits. It was around sort of a. You know, do you want to give us a bit of an overview of that moment and, and what yeah. that business was? Yeah. So, so Your Wealth Hub started as an employee engagement program that helped um, employees in the workplace feel more confident and comfortable with their financial positions, um, financial stress still I believe is is one of the main causes of you know marriage breakdowns um, you know, issues um, issues financially when people aren't on the same page it's just not having a basic literacy of of things that are going on and um, taking that basic ed- education into the workplace um, was aimed at reducing the impact of stress in the workplace so we wouldn't get as many people off work um, which inevitably the impact would have been because of some kind of financially related um, issue that they were experiencing. So that was usually at the heart of it. So that that was working well for a number of years. And, and when and can I, I can I just jump in sorry. there? And so that and that was a necessity that you guys found off the back of say corporate superannuation books that you had in, yeah. inside the business. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I I think when you've got um, the common denominator being superannuation with large corporate super. Um, plans um, and, and seeing the impact of choice, there was a diminishing focus on having these uh, corporate super plans in the workplace. But employees were still looking uh, for um, you know, solutions and and outcomes. So we were we were merely joining the dots between you know stress is typically related to finance. Uh, the common denominator is super. Um, if we can help people, you know, understand and decipher their annual superannuation statement, or look at you know basic information about you know what is an offset account, you know what what do you do at the end of financial year with your tax return? You know, what, what are some really simple concepts that you should be considering or, or, or thinking about? Um, people will be more informed. People who are more informed will ask more questions and inevitably get some of the solutions that they they end up needing. So in the workplace, it was all about in lightning people and and it did serve a purpose and it and i think for the employees who really bought into it and there's a couple that we still work with um you know they really get that and they really value that um and they see it as if there's only one person we help in a year you know and they're they're super stressed um uh, yeah that's that's a good outcome if we get someone on the right track and that's how they that's how they saw it 
Fantastic. Yeah. And it's it's still obviously a need, but it's also one of those things from a business point of view. And and this is a business that you've recently sort of either wound down or wound into your your existing practice. But um, Mm. uh, as a supply and demand thing, some, as you said, some employees, employers get it and others just Mm. don't see, uh, you know, they've got, maybe they've got too much, we'll give them a bit of the doubt. They've got too much else on and they don't quite see the uh, the benefit it brings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When it comes to actually, um, you know, like paying for the product, I guess yeah, I, I agree with you. I think some people see superannuation as a tax and anything to do that's beyond kind of the bare minimum for their employees, they see as being a bit of a pain in the backside. Um, yeah, typically, they weren't the businesses that we wanted to be dealing with. We wanted to see businesses who really cared about their staff. And there was two camps. When you'd go and see an employee, there was, there was typically the, the HR manager that absolutely saw a need to do this. Um and they would have signed on the bottom line in a heartbeat if they could have. But typically, the person who was you know, signing off on what could and couldn't occur was the CFO. Now, the CFO was never seeing how much financial stress was impacting their workplace. So, signing off uh, on, on a reasonable check to invest into their staff members was always seen as being you know, superfluous. So, it was, it was kind of met with this kind of mixed emotion. People who really wanted it, and the gatekeeper was typically the CFO who didn't really want to pay for it. So there was that tension point there. And um, again, for the CFOs that got across the line, you know, we, we typically, we had it, we built a calculator actually off the back of some research in, um, in the UK and Canada. And we were able to identify the, the wastage in, in, um, in a workplace based on you know, kind of the prevalence of financial stress. And that, that tended to work pretty well but again, at the end of the day, um, the CFOs would sign off on it and we didn't always get the outcome that we wanted there. Yeah, fair enough. So so that was one part of the business, obviously. Um, mm. The other part of the business was the, the financial advice business. And the third part really was the license or the license yeah. as a licensee. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the licensee evolution has been an interesting one. We, we started the license. Um, Mark and I started the license in 2016. Um, it, was, it was really meant for our firm. Um, at the time and then the idea grew into to something bigger. Um, Mark and I went our separate ways a, a couple of years back for, for, for different reasons um, and I wanted to take this concept of community to the next level and I wanted to do two things. I wanted to solve two problems. One is, is provide a platform where like-minded businesses could come together. Um, they could exchange ideas. We could not recreate the wheel but enhance on best practice and, and create an offering that you know, effectively I could be able to um, go out into their firms and, and, and be able to um, implement and allow them to see the benefits of what this kind of group thinking would do. And the second was to, to, to build a community that would, 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 would cost and feel um, how I think licensee and, and, and groups should be costed. And, and that was really taking a modular approach to um, you know, what people actually required and effectively you pay for what you what you get. So there's a, there's a core function there um, and anything beyond that, um, you would effectively scale up or down based on what you needed. So that's that's effectively what we've done. So in, in building this licensee, we call it our, our Vinarc Advice Community, we have people that are, are both in our license, so young practices that are growth focused, that really want to you know, deliver a really good outcome to their clients they focus on not being technically perhaps the, the, the most um, extravagant uh, advisor, but they really focus on the holistic needs of the client and they bring in specialists from um, various areas to be able to deliver the, the outcomes they need for their clients. But they know that they must invest in their business and they know that they must um, 
they must be nimble enough to, to grow and um, to do that in the community. The best way to do it is not individually all work on our own solution, but all discuss the challenges that we're facing um, and find the, the, the common denominator between all of us and, and create this best practice and then kind of move forward together collectively with it. And that's, that's what we've tried to create. And, and, and so far we've been able to attract some really good, good young businesses. Um, and, uh, we've, we've been able to, you know, create model office. We've created this, um, you know, this offshore program, um, for administration tasks. We've got centralized power planning services. We've got a marketing team. We've got a new HR function that's just started up for, for practices to tap in as well. So it's a, it's, it's building every day and, and where we see a need to expand the service offering, we simply go out and search for um, the results we need and, and plug in those services so it can help the greater greater group. Fantastic. Neil, I'm just going to um, clarify this part of the, the licensee and the, the, because there's a little bit different between the, the, um, the, the hub, I guess you could say, or the group. Yep. And yep. the license itself, right? Because you've you've you're, you've run a license, um, yep. and under that you've got certain uh, amount of advisors who are who yep. are using you as your as your AFSL, and then yep. you've also got additional advisors that also use use the group or are part of the group, but with the different AFSL. Is that right? That's that's correct. So we have nine firms under the AFSL. We've got an additional five firms that tap into the group collective that may be either self licensed or licensed under another AFSL. So it's a it's it's a group of, of fourteen at the moment practices, um, and in in that those principals all subscribe to a quarterly summit where we come together and, and, and discuss you know critical business issues that that we've been kind of throwing about unofficially through the quarter, and then in that meeting in that summit we'll, we'll have a deep dive into how we solve those problems. So yeah, absolutely. There's there's, there's a delineation between the two. It's intentional. Um, obviously there's a, there's a regulatory element to it, obviously for businesses under the license and there's different conversations we have on our quarterly, um, investment and compliance committee meetings. And then the summit's all about business. The summits are all about getting together and solving issues and focusing on your practice. There's no compliance speak. Um, it's, it's very much about solving problems that relate to better outcomes for clients, better outcomes for practices, profitable business activity, um, and, and, you know, that positive kind of conversation about, you know, how we, how we get together and go forward. So just, just when you do that, as you said, you, you know, solving problems, but, and, and, and we touched on it earlier, they're actually implementing of something to solve that problem, mm. not just talking about the problem. Can yeah. Give us a, give us a couple of examples or an example of something that you might've worked out and then solved and then created something sure. that's available for all, the whole group to, to use. Yeah, sure. So. Um, the annual summit we hold in August each year, we've, we're about to have our third. <clears throat> um, last year, we, we, we listed the critical issues that we, we expected to be um, discussing over the next 12 months. And obviously, you know, how you engage through COVID was, was obviously a hot topic last year. Funnily enough, it's a hot topic again this year. Um, the, uh, how we manage our administration staff and you know, how we delineate between core activities um, and how we delineate between activities that we can you know, utilize a, a, a lower cost resource to solve the problem. So you know, how we manage that and how we kind of work around that. There's issues around you know, how we market ourselves, you know, how do we get presence on social media, how do we get presence through um, building better websites, you know, how does SEO work, who can help us with that, that type of thing. So um, that were kind of three key topics that we, we talked about. But the, the, one that, the one that shone to the top of the tree in that last annual summit 
it was all about <clears throat> building a model office. And it was all about how we manage our workflows. We Most of us use um, Advice OS through Midwinter. Um, and in that, um, there was opportunity to utilize what's there, but there's also opportunities to utilize you know, best practice around. Now, some people had used monday.com as a workflow processing tool. Um, what we did was after that session, we, we made a commitment to solve a number of problems, but this one was the most, um, I think was the most important for us all. We wanted to create a model office that we could all follow uh, our processes start to finish. So we, we basically invested a lot of time and money into building Monday up to be a model office and then allow us to download the different streams of or different tasks. So everything from kind of client prospecting to uh, client implementation um, to client onboarding um, to annual reviews as the four key kind of um, processes to start with. Map that out end to end, download it, upload it into everyone's own Monday. Um, so then they can start following it um, start to finish as well. So now anytime we make changes, we make changes to one process as opposed to everybody kind of going off and doing their own thing. Now, one of the elements that I set up front that I think never really worked well after having conferences and PD days and so forth, it was actually implementation. Um, and my job um, is not just to kind of hold people accountable, it's actually going and, and, and work out how we implement these every month. Um, you know, to remove the speed humps, understand what they are, acknowledge we need to, to, to work with them, but it's actually going in and help actually implementing these so every well, i think the vast majority of practices now actually use monday which is great um or, or at least reflect on the processes that we built and then from there um they're uh, they're rolling through the motions and and um, using in their business and it's happened a lot quicker should they have um uh, had they not have had the help of the community because we've all worked on this and refined it which is good so instead of so so if I join as a practice, instead of me having to reinvent the wheel and go and yep. do the research and work out what I'm going to use and then work out how to yep. use it and then put the the workflows in place and see if they test and all those sort of things, you just go yep. and do all that for all of yep. your practices. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly and right. I can, I so so when yeah. when a new practice comes along now, we've already got those workflows set up and it's been licensed, approved, community approved. Everyone's working together. Um, that they would jump in and, you know, if they're a new practice, perhaps they've, they've, they've left a, a bigger firm starting on their own firm um, and they're starting from scratch like I was two and a half years ago. Now, I would have loved to have a, you know, a, a product in a box, so to speak, um, where you could pick up and run with it. So, um, yeah, yeah, that now, library uh, of resources is growing, which is great. Yeah. Now, part of that, um, I guess, from a mindset point of view, from a practice coming in is that you have to – have belief and trust in the person who's going out and doing all the testing and checking and those sorts of things. Um, so I guess that comes from your, uh, I guess we covered that with your years of experience working in practices. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Part of it is me and what I use in my practice, but also part is through the feedback of the collective and that's where the community comes in. So I think, you know, you're only strong as your weakest link. That type of analogy definitely prevails, but you know, the, you only get out of it what you put in it at the same time. And, I think it's very hard and we don't have this in our community because everyone, it's very clear from the outset, if you're joining this community, you're a contributor, you're not a wallflower, you know, you're not sitting back waiting, um, you are contributing and everyone has um, different elements that they contribute at different points because we know what everyone's strengths are. Um, and if the businesses are joining, the expectation from the community on me is that we're finding people who are culturally aligned um, and we're looking very much at the, at the future 
Um, we're probably not worrying so much about some of the things that some parts of the, the profession are, are concerned about because um, for us, our businesses are probably more growth focused, younger client base, um, and, and some of those other distractions aren't a, aren't a focus for us at all. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, I, I couldn't agree more when it comes to communities. I think you have to be a contributor. Um, if you don't, like, I mean, we've both been part of communities before and we've seen that, haven't we? The more you put in, the more you get out. And uh, if you think you're coming along to a community and you're just going to put dollars in and expect that that's going to give you a return, uh, yeah. it doesn't quite work that way, does it? No, you can't You can't sit back. And I think this is a, this is a common misconception, I think. I think if people are throwing money at solutions, they're – it's not going to give them what they want because they're not putting their own blood, sweat and tears into it. For, you know, we have 25 staff now um, who, are, who are based overseas. Um, and as I say to every practice who's, come, who's coming on and they want to look at offshoring and they want another solution, um, it's not up to the person offshore to solve your problems. You have to tell them what the problems are. And unless you can clearly identify and articulate what it is that you're trying to solve, and work with them and show them how we can you know, replicate the issue and it's easily uh, quantifiable, um, that person overseas isn't going to be able to solve your problem because they're going to be just as confused about what to solve as you will be. And I've seen plenty of examples where people have you know, kind of shied away from offshore because it hasn't worked and all the rest. But the question I'd always ask is, um, well, how have you prepared yourself? How have you prepared your team? Um, are the people you're working with treated as a member of the team? Um, you know, what are you what are you doing to ensure that um, the ongoing education and training is up to speed? All these types of things, and you know, obviously, if you've met with a few kind of confused looks, you know that they've really just thrown some money at a problem and not really got the result they're after. Surprise, surprise! So, yeah. Uh, yeah, the community collaboration piece is is important. It is the backbone of kind of why we do what we do. Yeah, fantastic! I love the idea of getting involved in the community. The sense of belonging to me. Um, belonging to a community is is that you know you you give and you receive and you feel like you feel like you're giving value or the other people in the community value you because you're having input um, as well as mm. you're getting input out. So it's a, definitely a two way street. Um, now you mentioned the offshoring in the in the Philippine side, uh, having a having an office or a group of people working for you over there. Tell us about how you set that up and, and how you went about finding that and, and implementing it. Yeah, yeah, good question. So we, we've worked with um, different groups offshore in the past and there's a couple of people that I worked with for some time who um, decided when I transitioned across to uh, my own business, um, they wanted to come across and, and, and work with us. So that's that's where we got started. And from there, once the community started to, to build out and we had people coming in and we started realising there was problems that needed to be solved and we could do that efficiently, by having you know, an outsourcing solution um, through word of mouth initially was how we tracked down you know, key resources um, that, would, that would solve problems offshore. Um, the practices here have had you know, a really, really good time with all the staff that have come on board. Um, you know, we've focused really hard on trying to source good people and, and recently started a new process to, to really go deep into sourcing really good talent to join a, a number of our teams, be it power planning, marketing, administration, um, et cetera. So um, I, feel, I feel at the moment we're in a really good period where we've been able to attract some really good caliber staff. Um, the issues that they're facing over there are not too dissimilar to here with you know, um, uh, lockdowns and, and travel restrictions and things like that. So there's a lot of really good staff that have been working in you know, big call centers that um, unfortunately 
can't continue. They may have been camping in the offices or camping close to the office and, and doing things like that, but realizing that, you know, it's not a great outcome from a family perspective, not seeing your family, you know, for months on end and things like that. So looking for a home-based solution is is a good option. Now, all our staff are decentralized and they, they certainly relish in the fact that they can be close to their family, but still have good internet, good security measures to be able to track all of the all the activity that's going on. So from a privacy and security perspective, it's 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 very secure. Um, but the, the issue for us has been, you know, trying to find the good staff, um, which I think we're at a period now where we've we've got the formula right and we're we're growing and we're certainly solving problems for the community um, a lot easier a lot easier now than we had been in the past. Yeah. So you find, uh, let's say, um, or let's pick on a uh, you know a marketing or a social media posting type yeah. person, and that that person yeah. then works across the different businesses within the community, but in their yeah. in their specialty area. Yeah, absolutely. So we have specialized people that solve that that, that basically solve different problems for us. Um, some may be full time, some may be uh, contract that that come on and um, work a couple of hours a week, but they solve that particular problem. The way we've structured our agreements is that we can scale them up and scale them down based on on what's needed. Um, it means that the community have access to um, resources that individually they wouldn't have had access to before. Um, and again, that's part of the, the scale we'll be able to bring where not just working for one business through a you know, Fiverr or an Airtasker style relationship, we're actually structured it, structured it through a specific financial services relationship and we just slot in the work as needed um, based on what's required. Uh, the great part about it is a lot of us are now using the same style of communication. So it's then interchangeable based on, you know, newsletter topics that we may want to use. Um, you may want a different one business has just started using us. They want more of a business ownership flair as opposed to a personal finance need. So our template is set up. We track everything through the back of Active Campaign. Um, and through that, we're able to um, just chop and change for the different businesses based on their, their style, the timing, et cetera, that they're after. Um, so it becomes highly personal, but we've set up structures that means that it's interchangeable through templates, et cetera. And you mentioned earlier that um, you know it's, when you're finding somebody like this, you really have to be very clear on what your problem is. I find yeah. sometimes it's really hard to be clear on what your own problem is. It's, easy, it's, it's a lot easier to be clear on what somebody else's problem is. Well, it's, it's easy to grandstand like that, I suppose. <laughs> um, but uh, look, it's look, it's a, it's a valid observation. I think I think you're dead right. Um, f- for us, um, having people joining the community and understanding what problem they're solving um, often has more clarity after you've mixed in with the the community itself, because others would have experienced the problems they're looking to solve. So by meeting and greeting and kind of understanding what others are doing, you're able to articulate it far more eloquently. And I think, I think for them, you know, understanding what they're trying to achieve out of it, you know, it's likely someone else has probably gone through the same process and then it's more of an aha moment and, oh, I need to do this. Um, what can you do? Oh, actually, we've done that before. Let's roll out one of the guys and they can explain how we did it. Mm-hmm. Away you go. So it's, you're right. It's, it can be hard in isolation, but I think through, again, the value of the community and, you know, seeing what others have done, you can certainly you know, point yourself in the right direction. Yeah. Now, there's a group of, as you mentioned, uh, 14 practices. How does it work practically from a practical point of view? Are they all around the country? Do you, how, how often do you get together? How do you communicate? Yeah, yeah. We, we, look, we, we try to get together every quarter. Um, in, the last, in the last six months, we've done uh, two virtual. We've got, we're going to have our next one at the end of this month. Um, it was supposed to be a physical one. We're just kind of understanding what the landscape's looking like at the moment. Um, we have our WhatsApp 
chat that we're um, that we we talk on. Um, we've been talking to the guys at XY about utilizing their new licensee solution as well. So I've been talking to Emily. She took me through that last week. Actually, it looks really good. So um, it's likely that we may shift and and utilize the XY platform because I think it will solve a problem around kind of that ongoing engagement piece that perhaps for us is a little disjointed at the moment, having multiple platforms as opposed to one. So that's certainly something that I'm that I'm looking at. Um, the physical the physical um, presence I think I think by far gives us the best value. It's that fireside chat, um, you know, those little conversations that you're having in the breaks and things like that that I still think you get the most value out of. Uh, bringing people together and, and and kind of going through the critical issues I think is the fuel for the fire. You know, digesting that with everybody and, and talking about those after, after over a beer or whatever it may be, I think is where the, the most value is. So for me, you know, having a physical presence is is, is critically important to success. Um, you know, we're navigating how that works you know, constantly because of obvious kind of issues that are going on. Um, but in my mind, as the community grows, we will get to a cap where I think the community grows beyond what would be an intimate environment. So we don't want to grow too much because I think you will lose that um, that fireside chat conversation. You end up having, um, you know, kind of hives of activity uh, and silos form. And, and I certainly don't want that. I think that's where you become, I don't think it's, obs- I think the right word's obsolete, but I think you have issues with people doing their own thing and not kind of, you know, contributing to the pot. They're contributing to their silo as opposed to the to the broader community. I think that's where, you know, my job is to, to, to make sure we don't grow too fast and we don't lose that intimacy. What are you what are your thoughts around numbers then in that case? Yeah, look, I've I've tossed the idea around of twenty practices. That's that's kind of been a number that I've thought's really workable. Um, I've seen small to medium-sized licensees, boutiques, etc., um, grow and lose that um, intimacy. You've got the people that were there first, the new people that were brought in after. You tend to see an us and them situation. You don't get that mixing of ideas because there's too many of them and not enough of us, and so on. So, I think I think you need to be um, realistic about how that goes. Um, Definitely in the community, I think there's like a, a, a 20 practice limit. Um, for our annual summit, we bring in other advisors that perhaps are, are part of those groups as well. So there's there's more people coming on to experience what's going on. It's a great um, um, kind of tool to, to expose them to what business principles are thinking, which I think is an important part. Um, in the license, you know, we've always talked about this 12 to 14 car number, which may have you know, 18 to 20 ARs in it as well. So therefore, you always have you know, part in the license and part external. I think it's important to have that mix as well. Um, you know, I think if you spend too much time in your own pond and out, not understand what other people in their ponds are doing, you can tend to be a little bit siloed in yourself. So I think that external license with that community feels important. And you know, own AFSLs, um, people who are in other AFSLs, so larger licenses coming on as well. I think it's a really, really good thing as well for for diversity. Yeah, really interesting. And okay, so you're slowly growing, I guess, is the uh, is the yeah. outcome of that. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Very, very good. Now, uh, so, so that's sort of the the group or the licensing or the coaching that you do. How often do you get together? You mentioned you mentioned the quarterly catch ups, but are you doing more regular catch ups than that? Yeah, we do a coaching session with each of the principals once a month, and that's really where the rubber hits the road. the The, the think tank is the summit. Um, the action is the, the catch-ups and it's all about understanding what happens from a cash flow perspective, what's happened with that initiative that you said that you were going to deliver uh, because it, it delivered X results. You know, it's 
it's that catch up after is where we understand if it's working, if it's not working. At the moment, we're hitting. We're about to um, we're about to catch up again. As I said, uh, we'll go through the end of financial results. Um, everyone's given us uh, their numbers. We catch up quarterly, and the first session we have in our summit is always how is everyone tracking. And it's 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 not designed to to beat one's chest and to talk about how good each of us are. None of us in the group have that approach. It's about understanding how we're going as a percentage to the goals that we set at the start of the year. So, I, I've I've no interest in understanding you know the dollar figure from a from except to understand if you've actually achieved it for a percentage. And that's the important part. Um, and the plans that are in place, um, we're able to shift and. Um, you know, modify along the way should the results that we're after not be occurring. Um, and it's those shifting conversations that we have in those those monthly catch-ups and um, you know, changing tact, you know, might be changing subtly wordings with referral partners or um, it could be you know, understanding you know, how better to engage. And, you know, we went down a path of these newsletters, but perhaps the, the content isn't hitting the mark. So it's about understanding, well, what else could we do? Let's, let's really pull apart the types of clients you're trying to attract and, you know, where are they going? What are they reading? You know, what topics are of interest to them? You know, what can we do to solve these problems that they're having and then tailor the newsletter articles appropriately to, to that group? So um, it's those types of conversations. That's, the, that's like I said, that's, a, that's where the rubber hits the road and that's, where I think, the most important part. Yeah, so this is next level, actually, now that uh, we're getting into it. So you, obviously if you can't measure it, you know, you can't um, – was it that? If you can't measure it, you can't uh, – um, what's the what's the saying? Can't uh, measure. You can't. Um, anyway, you can't grow. So um, obviously, we're, we're talking about goals and talking about helping uh, advisors and the accountability word comes in here. I guess you're keeping yep. them accountable, but you mentioned that everybody's sharing metrics. So yep. what does that mean? Does that mean people talk about where they're able to with their goals, and then it's now yep. it's now open to the group? So I guess you've got to if you if you say you're going to do something, you've got to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, on the six month mark at the start of the year, we did it. So. And at the full year last year, uh, in the August summit last year, we did it as well. Uh, it was what was the operational goals um, and what were the financial goals. So financial goals were set for the new financial year. Operational goals were set at the start of the calendar year. So we set out to um, understand what it is that what are the problems they're looking to solve and how we're going to solve it. Now, when we when we caught up to talk about these things, um, there was one practice that was talking all about HR engagement. They've they've merged with a couple of firms. They've wanted to. Um, work out how to engage. They've actually brought in an external business coach to help them as well on more of the HR philosophical pieces that they need to work through. But then setting KPIs, setting job descriptions, setting bonus structures and things like that. We've talked about how that imp- how that works in particularly in your foresee world. Um, for them, operationally, they wanted to see all these, all these uh, KPIs aligned. They wanted to see all the staff members come in, sing from the same hymn sheet. Um, so they're all heading in the right direction and they're working as a cohesive group as opposed to three separate practices that they were at the start of the year. So that, that's just an example of one. Um, back six months for that practice, it was, it was all about, well, what are we trying to achieve financially? One of them, one of the goals was they wanted to merge with another firm. They wanted to buy in a, um, they wanted to bring in a, um, a mortgage broking firm as well. So you know, looking at those goals, the financial benefits to their existing clients and whatnot, deciphering how that was going to work, um, how much time would be taken away from their BAU, work with clients. Part of a, another project they're working on was uh, repricing that middle end of the, the clients. They felt that they needed to increase their 
um, average fee. So doing that, that to create new propositions for the people that would or wouldn't pay uh, the additional additional costs. Um, so once you start kind of scratching the surface, um, the goals are, you know, they're aspirational, but what powers the goal? So the conversations we will be having is and sharing with the group is, okay, so what is it that you need to do in the business? What needs to shift? How can we make this happen? So that's what we try to look at. And then from there, the collective understands the goal. Everyone's across everybody's goals, what they're trying to do, both financially and operationally. Um, and then that's where the think tank starts because people have shared their experience of when they've done something similar or maybe they want to understand what it is that you know they could do because they'll be in the same situation at some point as well. So it, it just it lifts the lid and, and it becomes, becomes quite a deep conversation. Yeah, well, so it's really around that transparency and, and accountability and just saying, well, mm. you know, don't just come here and say, oh, yeah, it's, it, it, it all's, going, all's going fine. That doesn't actually help anybody. If it's not, then uh, we actually get in there and fix it. Exactly, and then the numbers will, will show that. Um, you know, if the numbers have been calibrated accurately, um, you'll see how those transitions have gone if they've actually followed through what they said they're going to do. And now it'll, it'll, it'll show up, and the numbers don't lie in that instance. Um, you, know, you look at staff turnover. You look at, uh, you know, expenses. Line. So we, we, t- we typically track inflows, so total revenue. We'll track expenses. Um, we'll track um, different business lines. You know, if people are focusing on financial planning and insurance and different different elements. They'll have different business lines that they're tracking to make sure that a they're retaining the right number of clients, but but b attracting the right number of clients as well. So that'll that'll flow through the metrics that we share. And there's a there's a there's a fair bit around that. And you know, as much as the guys, uh, they all they all love me asking them for their numbers. You know, they do appreciate once they've done it, looking back to see what they've achieved and. Now, irrespective if they're over or under, the fact that they can visualize it and see it, they know exactly where they are. And I think I think the challenge for practices in the years gone by has been not knowing your numbers, not understanding the metrics behind your business. And you know, profitability has been, well, what's left over? Um, but that's not really the I don't think that's really the the, the figure you should be looking at. It's it's understanding what's gone into that number. Um, you know, what I should be looking at, should I be managing my expense line more carefully? You know, is staff a third of your um, expenses because typically that's the case or is it higher? Why is it higher? Um, you know, what can we do to solve that problem? And that's where, you know, things like outsourcing staff and bringing in um, a reduced cost for a headcount can be more advantageous in a practice that's growing um, but is of a decent size where they do need that support. Uh, it's just being able to identify it. So, all those metrics are pulled apart and they're challenged uh, in a constructive way. Um, but it means people, I think, I think the community are far more comfortable with how they run their business now than they had been before. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's incredible. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it, it's not easy opening up your um, your metrics and sharing them. And, and so, but if you're doing it for all the right reasons and you're doing it for the reasons of uh, you, so that you can physically grow your practice or grow the metrics, the right metrics, and then uh, well done, hats off to you. So um, j- just before I want to, because I, I wanted to come back and ask you all about starting your advice practice from scratch. But before we do that, um, if somebody's interested in, in that um, that coaching uh, group uh, or that that mentoring group that uh, you run, what's the best way to, to um, get hold of you and talk about that? Yeah, look, we, our website's live. Um we can um, we can arrange a catch up through the website or reach out to me at um, so it's vinark.com.au. Um, you can catch us on there or, or reach out on my my mobile LinkedIn. Um, so uh, Vinark is spelled V I N A R C. That's it. That's it. 
Fantastic. Okay, very good. Uh, so if you're interested in uh, catching up with Gav about that, give him a buzz or get hold of him. Now, tell me about your your practice. Obviously, starting an advice practice from scratch is not a uh, thing to be sneezed at. Talk, talk just about <laughs> your process of you went through to, to start that and sort of what yep. made you – let's start with the decision to, to do it itself. Yeah. Um, I think starting advice practice, looking back at it now, I, I always think – that at the time when I was in another practice and you have the safety net of a, of a good salary and whatnot, it seems like a pretty good idea at the time. And you 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 really you really don't realise how hard it is. Um, and look, um, I was studying at the time when I was going through. I started on all the FASEA stuff early. Um, I think I was just about finishing my advanced diploma. Um, there was a whole bunch of other things that were going on, and um, it was a really a, a really interesting time looking back at it now. Since then, um, my wife and I have had a little little girl. She's one and a half. Um, yeah, the, the, the license has grown. Um, the, the planning business has grown. Um, the community has you know, kind of blossomed and we've got some fantastic businesses. Um, all that going on and I've, I've got my little old, you know, advice practice that I, I kicked off, you know, a year and a half, two and a half years ago. It was, it was quite, an, quite an experience. To start it off, to me, it seemed like the right thing to do because I really cared about the clients that I was working with in the other practice that I was in. I didn't want to lose um, contact. and I didn't want to let them go, so to speak, because I really valued their friendship and I really valued um, the work we had done previously. Um, and I really saw that I, I saw some gaps in, I suppose, the some of the advice processes that were out there and you know, I really believed in the cash flow story. I really believed in understanding where people spend their money. People could make more informed decisions around, you know, what they should and shouldn't be doing. And it wasn't about saying no, but it was it was about you know letting them make the decision and having a having a really good constructive conversation. I think um, people make their own choices, and I really wanted to build a business, you know, which was underpinned by cash flow. And um, there's, a, there's a couple of guys who do it really, really well. Um, you know, Steve in, in, in Melbourne, Adele in Newcastle, they, they, they kill this space. And um, I think for me, I saw that as, a, as an opportunity and I think they've, they've, they've done really well. So when I looked at building it, I, I really wanted to have that in mind. Um, and, I, and I wanted to just be that kind of concierge point, um, that, that, that trusted advice that everyone talks about. But, you know, getting the questions about, oh, what do I do with like my offset account? What do I do, um, you know, you get people calling and say, "Oh, look, I've got this um, this home and contents insurance. Should I bundle this in with, um, you know, my car insurance?" You know, they're, they're really simple things, but I found that a lot of people just didn't really know where to turn. So I wanted to be able to have those really simple conversations that were really empowering for people, um, but I also wanted to, you know, really help people long term build wealth and um, set themselves up financially. You know, our, our tagline. Um, you know, is live the life you want to live. I really believe that. You know, if, you, if you're in control of your finances, you can do it. So that dream, yeah, albeit it was bloody hard, uh, was what powered it. And I thought I could do it. And um, in doing that, I you know, started from scratch, um, built um, built a licensed community and the license itself. And, um, yeah, it's been been going since. Yeah, well, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's a small feat starting a financial advice business. Uh, when that's what you're doing 100% of the time. But, you know, when you're running mm. a licensee and, and working with other businesses and coaching and doing all these other things and, start, yeah. and you know, raising young kids, it's um, <laughs> it certainly is a, a, a lot of extra. Yeah. To- yeah. The, I, I'll, I'll make one comment that one thing I did do was 
I, I got into that saying no was something we talked about earlier. And, and it was one thing that was always drummed into me for, for years is know, know your worth and um, know what the values you're bringing and don't be afraid to charge a fee. And if people say no, then obviously there's a, there's a kind of a, a disconnect between what's value to them and what's value that they think you're delivering. And at the end of the day, um, yeah, you can only improve that with communication. At the end of the day, if the client doesn't really want to um, go down that path, and I don't think you should be chasing or undercutting your fee. So that was kind of one thing that I saw, and I didn't set myself too lofty expectations either. I, I, I wanted to get one new client a month um, that I could really manage and manage well, and, and that's pretty much been my run rate since inception. So from that, it, it's been really good. Um, I did. I have been working with a, an accountancy firm as well. We started a joint venture. Um, that went well for probably the first 18 months and it kind of tapered off after a period of time. Um, and, you know, we still work together and we work with their mutual clients. It's been great, but we've, we've recently moved those clients in with, um, with your Wealth Hub advice. So, um, you know, from that side, there was a lot of work, a lot of activity. Um, and I wanted to, again, you know, see those clients through and make sure that they were getting the right advice and we could still continue. So I think, I think part of that is, um, a result of wanting to be everything to everyone and kind of, you know, it, it was, it was challenging juggling both of those businesses. Yeah, exactly. And now the, your wealth hub advice part is the, um, the employee benefit slash, um, the work that you're doing, um, with, you know, sort of with groups or a larger amount of, a lot of financial education in that space, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah. and, and you mentioned that, uh, you, you went heavy on cash flow, and, and, and so you've got yep. cash flow systems in, pl- in place now where you, is that, that's where you start with any financial plan? Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it, I have to understand their budget to to, to start with. And um, if if I understand where people are spending their money, and and a lot of time people don't understand where they're spending the money, um, I I, I want to see first and foremost the high level. What's the inflow? What's the outflow? Is this consistent? Um, is there a surplus or a deficit on average? Okay, we've got the run rate. Now let's scratch the surface and go under and go deeper into where that actually is. And you know, using you know, I, I use my prosperity as, as our cash flow tool. Um, it's I still think probably the the best one out there um, from what I've seen. And there's different different kind of carriers coming into the space regularly, but um, for me, it's just it's the one that works for for us. Um, and in the first meeting or second meeting, we'll be getting people onto there and getting them comfortable with the concept and letting them um, kind of jump on and, and look at where they're spending their money. And it'll give us a good indication of what's going on. And I always I always position um, the budget spreadsheet that we've created. I get the client to fill that in first, and that's more of a this is where you think you are, and then get onto my prosperity, and then we see where you actually are. And it's more of a oh okay, radio okay, we get we get this now. So we have to go through that process so they kind of value um, the benefit of having the tool. And once they get the tool and they see the source of truth, then from there you make an informed decision. Um, and then from there when we start looking at you know, saving for your first home and or buying investment property or whatever it may be. Even people at the other end, I've got a half dozen clients who are um, retiree clients or pre-retirees. Sorry, three retirees, three pre-retirees. Um, they've not been aware of their spending habits either. And you know, running into retirement without a handbrake is dangerous, um, particularly when you, you you cross the line and. Um, you're all of a sudden trying to live on typically what people will say is, you know, a thousand bucks a week, that'll tie me over. She'll be right. Um, but then you realize you're spending, you know, 13, 1400. So where's the shortfall yeah. going to come from? So yeah. it's a, it's a big eye, big eye opener for them. Absolutely. It's a great, uh, even just knowing where you're up to is, is um, great therapy in the first place, you know, whether it's behind, mm. or whether you're going forwards or backwards, it's good just to know. Uh, that's a very, <laughs> very, 
that great step in the right direction. Now, uh, you mentioned before that you value your worth and you don't to work for free for this sort of stuff. Yeah. How did you go about pricing um, a cash flow model? Yeah, so for us, I, I, I have the strategy fee that we separate from ongoing and for, for creating SOA, the, the minimum typically sits at three grand. That's usually where we sit and that's a full review of everything. Um, and depending on the, the complexity for including um, an SMSF, family trust, multiple investment strategies, um, et cetera, et cetera, that's when the, the cost can go up. For the ongoing, um, I found that a core would always be around cash flow and the work we do monthly to make sure people are aware of what's going on. So we always charge that $200 base. Um, if we're managing an insurance strategy, it's an extra $100. If we're managing a superannuation strategy, it's another $100. Uh, family trust, it's another $100. Super, um, self-managed super fund, it's another 100 as well. So we've created it from a modular perspective, so it just scales up as you need to. So the more complex and the more work, that's, that's where the amount of time came in at, roughly that $100 mark per product set going forward or strategy going forward is where we is found that it. Per, per month or per meeting? Per, per month, per yep. month. And how often yeah. do you meet with them? Um, everyone we talk to at least monthly. Yep. Um, the, the physical obviously is less now, but we're doing a hell of a lot of Zoom calls and whatnot. Mm. So we tend to do 45-minute catch-ups for a lot of the a lot of the younger clients who really want to you know, talk through this stuff. And and what I've, what I've found is that there is a core of people that just want to bounce whatever comes up for the month and talk through what it is that they've done or want to do and they're considering different things. And, and again, that might be things like, I've got the car insurance here and the, the GI here. What do I do? You know, what are bundling discounts? I've heard about this stuff. How does this work, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, yeah, those types of conversations. Yeah, this is an interesting part of cash flow, isn't it? Actually having regular catch-ups to start with to, to, yep. inf- or to, to actually – have people go through a process where they change habits, not just change their mind or, or set a goal yeah. or those sorts of things, but actually change the habits that they, you know, form over over, over a lifetime. Uh, it's yeah. hard. And, and without monthly catch-ups, it's really easy just to say, oh, yeah, I'll do that and never get around to doing it. Yeah, we, it's an interesting one because it's very confronting for people who don't want to do it, but for the people who, um, people who kind of don't want to do it and then realise it, they really value it. Um, they realize, oh, okay, yeah, I, I didn't realize we could do that. Even just having all of their finances together in the My Prosperity portal, I think, um, is a benefit for people who may not want to do the deep dive into cash flow, but now they certainly value seeing the income and expenses each month. They, they, they get to see a headline. Now, they've worked off these complex spreadsheets for some time, and now they're not having to do that. So, it saves them a lot of, saves them a lot of time. Um, so I think I think it's interesting. Um, we typically every month pull out and extract from the report the headline number, so they can see the income, and the expenses, um, and anything that's of a variance of more than ten percent from each category, we'll send across to them and get them to validate it. So yeah, you know, are you aware this is what's going on? Any thoughts? Any concerns? And typically they'll write back straight away. Oh yeah, no worries. I had um. Uh, we had the annual payment for the insurance to come through. So that's gone out. And you know what? We've already provisioned for that. So we take that across from one of the bucket accounts and that's um, that's fixed up. So a lot of the time people are, are feeling happy. I was with a, a client doing an annual review two weeks back and they said um, that they've never felt more in control of their finances, which was just such a 
beautiful compliment. Like I really, I really felt good about it. Um, everything's working well. Automatic transactions are coming from different accounts all the time. And, you know, at first, they're like, oh, seven accounts. Geez, that's a lot. You know, how are we going to do all this? But once it's set up, it actually does the work for you. And now they never run short. Birthday presents, Christmas presents, all that stuff, they're all provisioned for and there's there's no concern and chasing their tail. So, um, yeah, that was it was really lovely to hear that and you know, it just really went to the heart of why we do what we do. And for them, you know, there's no concern anymore, which is great. Mm. It's, it is amazing. It is a beautiful comment, and and, and the fact that they feel value, you know, that you know, the, they feel it. I guess is the is the key there. They felt never felt this this good before. And that's the yeah. real value of financial advice, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, Gavin, it certainly appears that your your advice practice sort of mirrors a lot of the work you do as a you know as a as a you know for clients, but you're also doing the very similar work for other practices when it comes to the you know the work within uh, within Vinark. So, sort of, I can see the the parallels being drawn there of how you're working with both your your advice clients as well as um, the other practices. Yeah, thanks. Now, Gav, thanks so much for coming and sharing your story today. I really appreciate it, giving us an update of where you're up to now. Obviously, things have changed. We'll have to get you on in a couple more years and see how it all, it's all evolved. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to, Fraser. Thanks so much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. No worries. And uh, if you want to reach out to Gav, um, obviously, you mentioned the Vinark website, but uh, what, what other ways are getting hold of you? LinkedIn, maybe? Yeah, LinkedIn, or, or give, me a, give me a hit on the mobile, probably the best way. So um, we'll, uh, keep it, we'll keep it in the link, I think, perhaps, and um, we can yep. reach out. Fantastic. Thanks, Gav. Appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks, Fraser. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and I'm joined by Emily. G'day, Emily. Hey, Fraser. Our favorite time of the week. It I is. It. it is an amazing time of the week. We get to uh, shout out one of the amazing uh, community members of XY. Who are we doing today? Yes. So, shout out to Michael Miller. He is an XY champion constantly in the platform adding value and answering questions but he's also a wonderful resource for sharing important updates that are coming down from the top so he recently shared um, some or a site or some work or updates I should say on advice fees from super now it really revolved around trustees um, but had some really important takeouts that advisors should be across uh, it went bananas last week when we shared it everyone wanted to make sure they were up to date on it so thank you michael for sharing obviously very topical and very important at the moment 